Hello and welcome. On this week's episode, we do our best to fill in the gaps with new info from The Batman releasing on March 4th, to Paramount Plus's new series Halo releasing shortly, and The Atom Project, which is time travel's next big picture starring Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Jackass Forever releases this Friday, and it is so good it might give you brain damage. Just ask Johnny Knoxville. Uh, what? (laughs) Tesla intentionally designs a software feature that lets the AI break the law, and it's a recall. Man, these AKs really just want us all to die, man. <laughs> hey, if I can't program my AI to be as reckless as I am, then I don't even want it. And lastly, we will follow up with our two big series for this month. First off will be Peacemaker. We've got some brand new episodes that came out, and this show only gets crazier. Mm-hmm. Watch out. This week, we're going to spoil it. And then we finish up today's episode with Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. If you listened to last week's episode, I got everything I was asking for. Yay. Except, you know, advancing the main narrative. <laughs> so join us on... <laughs> Spider-Man was last week. <laughs> I feel like that was your uh, Green Goblin voice. Yeah. For a second, unless you're reusing voices now. Well, he Willa was just on uh, SNL, so. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. I'm going to go back and watch that, but I, I heard that he was great. And, um, yeah, I mean, we can never get too much Willem Dafoe. But after 26 episodes, I guess it's it's almost time for you to start reusing voices. I mean, shit, last week you were doing the dude from the Yahoo commercials in the 90s. I mean, talk about a stretch. <laughs> Finish it. Yodeling with Arthur in stores this <laughs> whenever. <laughs> How the heck are you, sir? Hey, man, I'm so excellent, man. Came back from freezing my balls off and over in Toronto. A, a Canada. I a. know <laughs> you're up in Canada now. Have you ever seen? Uh, have you ever seen snow before? Yeah, I lived in D.C. Uh, back in '96 and. When I when I moved there, it was a blizzard and almost died because it act, it activated <laughs> my asthma. <laughs> the blizzard activated your asthma. Yeah, because I'm yeah I'm an LA kid. Oh, that's weird. I'm an LA kid, so like being in how you gonna have asthma in LA? Smog is actually a weather pattern there. <laughs> well, I'll tell that to my mom and her chain smoking. Ah well. Uh. <laughs> it was a different time. It was a different time. But you were up in the great white north, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, is it as white as they say? Super white. <laughs> <laughs> super white. Not just the snow and the people. Yeah, yeah. No, super no, nice but people. that's awesome. I know you, you you called me from the airport at like ass o'clock in the morning. Sorry. What airport did you fly into in New York? We went to Newark first. Nice, nice. Newark Airport. Well, that's actually in Jersey technically, So, but I'll allow it. Yeah, Newark. And uh, then, then we had another trip on a, on Air Canada. Air Canada. Mm-hmm. Oh, Canada, <laughs> our home and native land. Ooh. <laughs> I can do the entire national anthem, and that comes from. Do watching some more. <laughs> no, 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 no. I play half a dozen musical instruments so that I don't have to torture anyone with my voice. Um, <laughs> but, but I know, I know the national anthem specifically from watching. Uh, Baseball games, because I'm a New York Yankees fan. They play the Toronto Blue Jays quite a bit, mm-hmm. and also from hockey. So, you know, if you're going to be a well-rounded person, learn some other uh, national anthems. Although, I used to be able to play the one for the USSR on guitar, but I don't think that one's relevant anymore. Hey, can you tell me something about that? Not to veer off course too much, but 
Can you tell me, like, why does uh, Toronto have basketball and baseball teams in America? Well, Toronto has basketball and baseball teams in America because there are no Canadian leagues. There's a lot of Canada that is nothing. And also, we forget sometimes just how affluent we really are in this country, and running a major sports franchise is very, very expensive. And so that's a big part of why our entertainment industry provides so much content for the rest of the world in the form of movies, but also in the form of sporting entertainment. Because if it's not soccer, which, you know, the rest of the world cares about, and we don't much care about here, then it's going to be baseball and football and hockey that we're exporting to other countries. And Toronto is just across the border from New York. So it always made perfect sense to have uh, teams there that would be playing and competing against American teams. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Brooklyn Dodgers had their minor league team in Montreal for uh, before they moved to the West Coast in 1956. But they, uh, it's, so it's been a long tradition of integrating Canadian teams with American teams. I'm surprised we don't see a bit more of it in Mexico, but we're racist as hell and Canada's white, so I guess we're happy to have their players. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I can figure for it. I mean, I honestly, you know, they're right there. And actually, funny you should mention that. We're not really a sports talk podcast, but recently MLB squashed a plan for the Tampa Bay Rays to play half of their games in Montreal because we used to have a team called the Montreal Expos, and then they moved to Washington, D.C. And so Tampa can't draw any fans in Tampa, so they wanted to play half their games in Montreal, and baseball was like, nah, you got to pick a city. But I, for one, thought it was a great idea Mm -hmm. because Montreal wants baseball bad. But you weren't in Montreal. You were in Toronto. Did you get to see anything cool out there? Well, no, I mean, it was everything was shut down. First of all, they take COVID serious as hell. Oh, fuck, you're right. You know, they take it serious like like crazy. and So they're still shut down a bunch. Oh, my God. Like, they they change they change their procedures, like, like probably every six hours. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had to take so many tests and, and retake tests and go here and go there. Yeah, like it's enough to make you not want to travel. Like I just, I just really miss how simple it was. That's probably the point, I guess. <laughs> Here's my ticket. <laughs> you know, like, oh god. And then everything was just like frozen. Like, <laughs> same. I don't remember snow being like hard as rock. You know, you snow used to be slushy, but like this snow was just hard as hell. <laughs> it was just cold as hell over there. Oh, yeah, we got plenty of that here in New York, and it it's, you know, it melts a little bit, and then it turns to ice, and then the snow gets on top of the ice and bonds to it, and mm. you're just, I was snow shoveling like a motherfucker the other day. Oh, so man. I, I understand uh, the limitations of this. Uh, I do envy you out there in California never having to pick up a snow shovel. Rachel wants to move out there in the worst damn way, but uh, oh, yeah. I'm a little too pale for all that damn stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we, we'd more likely go to Toronto than than California. It was a hell of a trip coming back because we basically were in, in the morning time for eight hours. <laughs> and it's like we, we came from uh, all that cold to just sunny L.A. <laughs> it was such a crazy contrast. Oh, my God. It is weird. It is weird. I used to come back at the end of October from California, and it would hit you like a brick. You just don't you don't remember it. It's funny how quick your brain forgets. I'd be in California for a month or two, and then I'd get home and be like, what is this? I don't need this. <laughs> like, fool, you grew up in this, man. And even now, it's totally different than I was a kid because, you know, I'm sitting here. It's February 1st, and we maybe had – three snow events so far this year 
when I was a kid, we would have had three snow events in November. So global warming is rapidly turning, you know, north of the Bronx to north of Annapolis. Yeah. But you brought your lady friend back with you. Yep. So she's real. Your Canadian girlfriend is actually real. <laughs> My girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> yeah, nobody buys it. Nobody buys it. Yes, Fatma's here, and I love her so much. I'm so glad she's here. It's a new chapter in my life. Uh, I mean, I I never left the country before. Then she she was the one I left left the country for to get her. Nice. Yeah. So it's a good- you know funny story. I um I have a similar problem to Barack Obama in that I do not. <laughs> I know interesting segue, right? I don't possess. <laughs> like how the fuck does that relate? But I'll tell you. Uh, I I don't possess a long form birth certificate. So my birth certificate was lost when I was a kid. And so when I went to go get a passport a couple of years ago, because I was planning a trip just before COVID outside the country to be my first time leaving the United States. And I sent them in the reissued birth certificate that my town and hospital issued to me when I said, hey, I went to them and said, hey, I've lost my birth certificate. So the, the government responded back, this birth certificate is not sufficient. We need your long-form birth certificate if we're going to issue you a, uh, a passport. And right after that, all of the different government agencies shut down. And it was at the very beginning of COVID that I was trying to do this. And so long story short, I still don't actually have a passport because I have not been able to obtain my long-form birth certificate despite the fact that I can show that I'm fucking American. So you can't, you can't leave? Well, I have no passport. I do not own a passport because until I can track down the correct agency to issue me my long-form birth certificate, I can't get a passport. Wow. Bureaucracy's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it great? Man. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not traveling right now either. I mean, if you weren't, you know, shuffling off to the great white North to pick up the love of your life or whatever, then that's a perfectly good reason to do extensive travel during COVID. But uh, mm-hmm. the love of my life lives in my apartment with me. So I don't really need to go fucking anywhere until this thing wraps up whenever that might be. Yeah. But um, so, yeah. So the funny story, uh, there have been uh, requests for my long form birth certificate, but I find them to be a bit excessive. Me, Obama, the rest of you just wouldn't understand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What I do understand, though, is that we got some geek news to get into. It's just a little bit. It's kind of a light week, but I saw some funny shit that I thought that I would kick around with you. And the first one is... Well, hold on. Arden Tom, Arden Tom, Arden Tom. Geek news. Yeah. <laughs> See, anybody who's not a Hollywood Babylon fan isn't going to get that reference. <laughs> Don't go ripping off other podcasts. They just got back, and I haven't listened to it yet, but I know they're back now. Yeah, they're back. Um, <laughs> when you record that proper and send it to me as an audio file, then I'll cue it up. But until then, fuck your knockoffs. <laughs> uh, that's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> that's not cool. Jesus Christ. Sorry, I don't mean to be so aggressive with you. I don't mean to be so aggressive with you, but I mean, I've been watching the trailer for the Batman and I feel like shooting and punching some shit. This nice. thing great. My uh my sister saw the trailer for the first time last night and she's like, "What the fuck is this? I had no idea this was coming up. This looks great." Oh, and sweet. I said, "I agree." She thought Colin Farrell looked indistinguishable. She thinks uh, that, uh, you know, Zoe Kravitz looks great as a Catwoman. 
Well, she always looks great. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for this to come out. But what I thought was really funny in regards to this movie is so since we're so close to its uh, premiere, we're getting a lot of product tie-ins and we're starting to see a lot of the marketing take shape and we're getting better looks and stuff. One of the funniest tie-ins I think I saw was the Batman is doing a joint promotion with Little Caesars (laughs) where they will be selling Batman-shaped calzonis, which is some kind of pizza calzone hybrid whereby it has the white sauce in the crust and lots of pepperoni and it's shaped like the bat symbol, but it really just kind of looks like a bird. Um, (laughs) And it just looked to me like, what the fuck does, does Batman have to do with bad pizza? And I apologize to anybody listening to this podcast outside of New York. That might be the only pizza you can get your hands on, in which case go enjoy your bat calzone. (laughs) By the way, it's just called the calzone. All right. Stop putting wise on shit. But this led me down the, the rabbit hole of like, weird product tie-ins that make no sense. I mean, that was that was Batman Returns all the way. Yeah, it's always Batman. Yeah, because like, like, that movie is super crazy violent. And they had all these, like, you know, uh, super like, completely adolescent, like, toys at McDonald's and stuff for it. You know? <laughs> uh, so that, that crap was crazy. <laughs> Uh-huh. You've got, you know, uh, the penguin propositioning Catwoman. And like, let's make a Happy Meal toy out of that scene. <laughs> but I thought this was funny. I'm also reminded of when uh, Star Wars uh, Episode Seven: The Force Awakens came out. And I went to my supermarket and I saw Star Wars branded oranges <laughs> with like the Death Star on the label. And I was like, yeah, I guess the Death Star is round and oranges are round. <laughs> Man, they put that shit on everything. But the Batman Calzone looks absolutely <laughs> insane. And uh, if anyone is listening and tries one, reach out to me. Let me know how it is because it, it looks awful. But it just struck me as just the most absurd product tie-in. Um, other products coming out are uh, Halo, the series for Paramount+. Plus. Now, I fucking steadfastly refuse to subscribe to even one more streaming service, so I'm not getting Paramount+, Plus. but you've got it. Are you interested? You could do it for a month, bro. Yeah, I'm, I, mostly, I mostly got it so I could watch my MTV uh, trash. I, I'll, I'll, I still watch the challenge. <laughs> I've been watching it for, like, decades. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah, find but, anything yeah, on it could. that jumps out at me. Okay. But we watched this trailer. Uh, it looks good. It looks real clean. Um, and the characters look yeah, great. Mand- Mandalorian vibes. Got serious Mandalorian vibes, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah, like they're really trying to take it serious. But it's interesting to see these video game properties, you know, being translated into small screen and big screen stuff and how difficult it is to make that work. But this basically just looks like space marines fighting aliens, which is pretty much always good. Mm-hmm. So that's coming out soon. And then also coming out soon is The Atom Project, which is Ryan Reynolds' new time travel movie. And man, if we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times. Whoever time travel's agent is, they're working overtime these days. (laughs) Did you see the stills that came out for this? I saw the stills. I mean, everybody looks good. Um, Just hoping it's another great project. I I like when we get the serious Ryan. Uh, every now and then. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of serious Ryan to go around, but yes, when he is serious, he is fun. And he can do action as well as anybody can do action. But the cast oh, on yeah. this looks really, really good. 
We have uh, uh, Kathleen or Catherine Keener. We also have uh, uh, Zoe Zaldana. Uh, what's her name again? Zoe Zaldana. Zoe Zaldana. Zoe Zaldana. Thank you. Uh, Mark mm-hmm. Ruffalo. And uh, he's joining back up with his 13 going on 30 counterpart, Jennifer Garner. And so mm-hmm. the story is going to have a time traveling uh, Ryan Reynolds meeting up with his kid's self as well as his deceased father to do something. And they've been really, really unclear. And they're holding it back, of course, what the actual plot of the movie is going to be. But the stills look great. And the cast looks great. And I'm a I'm a Ryan Reynolds sucker, man. I will still sit down and watch Green Lantern. And I don't want to hear shit about it. <laughs> well, I'll, give, I'll give you some shit. <laughs> that movie is terrible, <laughs> but he is charming. And Blake yeah. Lively's pretty charming in that movie, too. I mean, come on. Mm, not enough. No, it's it's awful. I mean, it's absolutely awful. It's but I, I bought it at a tag sale once for a dollar. So I actually own that movie on Blu-ray. <laughs> I can admit that. Yeah. I'm a comic book completist. I mean, so if I go to a freaking tag sale and I see the free, I see the Green Lantern Blu-ray on the on the blanket for a dollar, it's coming home with me. I know it's terrible, but that's I don't need that dollar more than I need that terrible Blu-ray. It was just it was just miscast and it was indicative of who whoever was running Warner Brothers at the time that they didn't understand Green Lantern. They didn't understand Hal Jordan. I mean, at that time, Bradley Cooper would have been a good um Hal Jordan. You know, yeah, that thing was all over the place. Ryan Ryan Reynolds was definitely more suited for like the Flash or something like that. Well, I think Deadpool is Ryan Reynolds' spirit animal, and he should just continue. Oh yeah, it's it's so great that he actually made that happen. And actually, Ryan Reynolds mentioned that Blake Lively is helping him with the script rewrites on Deadpool three, and he's really excited by her work. Oh, that's dope. That sounds great. So. It's nice, too, that Kevin Feige has said, like, I'm just leaving it be. It's its own thing, and Ryan Reynolds is in charge of it, and he knows better than mm-hmm. anyone what to do with it. It's like, wow, that's a heck mm-hmm. of a thing for Kevin Feige to say. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Feige all the way, man. When he sees that something is working, he's going to make it work. <laughs> you know, that's why he's bringing back, like, Daredevil and Punisher and everything. Oh, true, true. But, I mean, even when he sees something working and he goes, I'm just taking my hands off the wheel and I'm I'm letting it do its thing, that's... That's a lot of control to give to somebody, especially for somebody who curates their universe as tightly as he does. Yeah. And I think, I think it's just another smart move. Like all the other smart moves he's, he's mostly made throughout this, his tenure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, people are still a little lukewarm on the Eternals, but other than that, you pretty much made no wrong turns at all. Well, we don't, we don't talk about the Inhumans, but all that aside, <laughs> we don't talk about you. Nobody listening to this podcast has seen the Inhuman, so it's okay. We don't have to worry about it. I unfortunately did. You did? Oh, man. Yeah. Do you remember they released those first two episodes in IMAX? It was like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, I remember. It's so weird. Yeah, that's part of the reason why Feige was so mad at like the all the Marvel TV uh, productions for so long. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a big part of, you know, the... It was supposed to be, well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing great. Now we're going to do this. And then suddenly that did not land. So now you're, you're, you're 50-50. You got one good one, one bad one. And I think Feige said, you know what? I don't like those odds. We're, I'm just going to take over. Yeah. But that's cool. That's, I'll tell you one movie that isn't going to be in IMAX, or at least I can't think of any reason to see it in IMAX, is Jackass Forever. I mean, unless you really dun, need to dun, see dun, somebody. Dun, 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 d
<laughs> I mean, unless you really need to see somebody get, you know, kicked in the balls 20 feet tall. I so, got to, man. Uh, but <laughs> don't kick me in the balls. Um, but I thought it was really interesting about this was that Johnny Knoxville did an interview on Howard Stern show recently where he revealed that one of the stunts actually gave him brain damage. Did you hear about this? No. This is crazy. So, of course, we have seen the Jackass crew do bullfighting stunts. They had the famous bullfighting teeter-totter in, in the original Jackass movie. And they bulls are fucking scary. And so they oh, apparently have yeah. a scene in the new Jackass Forever where a bull completely rings Johnny Knoxville's bell. So they send him to the hospital. And then after he gets out of the hospital, he goes and he does a cognitive function test. And he scores a 17 out of a possible 100, indicating that he has severe brain damage resulting from a brain bleed. Well, I mean, he's a he's he's definitely like has the namesake correct, Jackass. It's fucking crazy. Well, it, it looks like he's gotten better since then. They they have taken care of the bleeding on the brain. This this brain damage does not appear to be permanent, thank God. Um but yeah, I think it's pretty good time to end that run. I mean, you look at these guys, they are so gray, some of them. Yeah. How old are we all getting? You know, this ain't this ain't can't kill yourself anymore. These it's guys been 25 these guys are old. years. <laughs> it's been like 25 years, bro. <laughs> oh. And then of course Bam Margera having his complete meltdown. I mean, he's gone and dragged everybody on Twitter from Johnny Knoxville to the director of this film to basically all of the boys who have just said, you know, dude, you're we're a wreck, but you're a wreck. I mean, how how fucked up do you have to be that the Jackass crew is like, we just cannot hang out with you anymore? Well, it's it's so funny how things switched because like he was like the biggest star. Oh yeah. Even before even before he's joined up joined up with them in Jackass and stuff. And then, you know, of course, he you know, he was like one of the more, more handsome ones of the guys and had his had his show on MTV. Viva La Bam. You know, so it's just yeah, it just it just sucks when that's the type of thing you do and then you're famous and you have a lot of money and, you know, it could lead to very toxic behavior, you know. Well, I mean, clearly it seems like drugs and or alcohol are, are some kind of a problem for him. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, he is dealing with the decline of fame. He is, if we're being brutally honest, not terribly good looking any longer. He was the good looking one of the group. And now he looks like his dad, which is fucking crazy. And um, his dad, his dad was a cute bear. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> you, you tell me uh, you, you'd cuddle with his dad on a cold night. Oh, heck yeah, man. That's some warmth. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, don't expect a whole lot of Bam Margera in the new Jackass forever. But do uh, keep an eye out for Johnny Knoxville getting fucking brain damage from a bull. Yeah. There's got to be easier ways to make Dude, millions of dollars. Dude, he wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, he just you know, would not have it any other way. I mean, if I could shave off like 25 IQ points in exchange for $25 million, oh, man, that'd be a tough choice. No, thanks. <laughs> oh, please. I'll just drool into my gold goblet. That's all. Oh, yeah. That's, that's great living. <laughs> <laughs> just say it. I mean, you know, like we're all going to lose our cognitive and physical abilities over a long enough timeline. If you shorten that timeline, yeah, if I can't help it. Of money. 
it might not be the worst trade in the world, but but maybe it is. Maybe it is. I like being oh, able to hell think for no. myself and <laughs> not have brain damage and do things on my own, like walk and talk and drive my car and you know have motor function and stuff. Um, <laughs> but if uh, if Tesla gets their way, you won't have to drive your car anymore. And so I actually I have a friend who has a Tesla and he freaking loves the thing. But they are getting slapped with recall after recall after recall. They had a camera recall recently because of uh, some faulty equipment in their cars. And they've also had some important safety recalls. But the most notable one that is weird as fuck is that there is a mode that you can program into the quote-unquote autopilot that instructs your car to roll stop signs. Wow, that's aggressive. I mean, they, they, they really want us to die, bro. Well, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. The setting is actually called the aggressive setting. And it tells the AI, hey, I'd rather not come to complete stops. And I'm sure that it does some kind of sensing of the intersection to make sure there are no other cars around. I guarantee there's a rationale for it. It better have police radar, too. Yeah, ain't that the truth. But my thought was is that it's kind of interesting that as soon as we start getting AI that is sophisticated enough, the first thing we do is start, like, fucking with its programming so it will allow us to be dangerous. (laughs) So it just seems strange that this would be a setting that somebody had a meeting and they were like, well, we'd really like the AI to be able to run stop signs. Everybody in the room went, oh, yeah, no, fucking A. Stop signs are the worst. Put that shit in. (laughs) So they are recalling them. There is going to be a software update. So if you roll in stop signs with your Teslas right now, Mikey, stop it. It's my buddy who's got one. He loves the damn thing. Stop rolling stop signs. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a time where there's going to be a time where we're going to do everything we can to make these robots be just like us because we're that vain. But then eventually during singularity, they're going to realize that they're much more. And we're going to be left behind in the dust. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. AI's come first. We were talking <laughs> last episode about how just how much I hate AI and how it's coming to run all of our lives. And it's uh, yeah. it's freaking weird. It's freaking weird. So oh, yeah. I thought that was a fun little tidbit about Tesla. It's, it, it's fun to dunk on Elon Musk every now and again because the guy's just so tortured and weird. And uh, these cars are amazing, but... It's it's even more amazing to hyperanalyze some of the thinking that has gone into them and what they can do and what they can't do and what they allow them to do. And it's it's like somebody just gave a bunch of frat bros all the technology in the world. It's pretty wild when you think about it. <laughs> but I think that would just about wrap up most of our news for the day. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, unless you got anything else going on, we could move on to our main topics, which of course, uh, the first one would be Peacemaker. Got anything else? Or we talk about Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Mm, all, oh, that awesome, all that awesome music that keeps playing. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, we are, we are getting into the meat of Peacemaker. Now, last week when we did our episode, we didn't do any spoilers. We were very deliberate about that. But this week, you know, I think we should spoil some shit this week. Let's do it. Let's let's uh, spoil these goddamn butterflies. Mm. <laughs> well, do you want to do a show rundown for some of our listeners who might not be familiar, or would you like me to? Well, do let's that? do it. All right, go ahead. So, Peacemaker, uh, starring John Cena. It's about uh, this like dilapidated uh, wannabe superhero. <laughs> 
who's kind of kind of like a Nimrod. Uh, that's and that made it that made his uh, debut in Suicide Squad this past summer. So like um, this show, he's brought back into the rank and file with some um, black ops stuff to figure out another sort of infiltration of like a of an alien that's uh that's come kind of go, going over the world. So like that's basically what's going on. So he's he's with some of the cast members um, from the original uh, series. Uh, what are their names again? He teams up with Jennifer Holland as Agent Harcourt, also Steve Agee as John Economos. Mm-hmm. New to the series, and folks who weren't in Suicide Squad would be Danielle Brooks playing Leota Arabato, Freddie Stroma as Adrian Chase, a.k.a. The Vigilante, and Chuck Woody Awuji as Clemson Mern, or Mr. Mern, who is leading this black ops team against this alien invasion. And what we know about the alien invasion is, is that they are a small creature that lives inside the skulls of their victims and then gain autonomy over their bodies. And so John Cena is trying to figure out the source, the reasoning, everything around this invasion of, of alien creatures that can remain undetected largely. Oh, first of all, just uproariously hilarious in the movie. But uh, when it when it came down to it, he just seemed like this crazy, like like in, embroiled psycho, like that's just like the way he killed was like hilarious, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and he seemed to be like like super stringent on code, which led to him having a standoff with Idris Elba's character. So what's what's interesting now that we have him on the show, we actually get to see so much of it of that bravado is just him kind of like talking the talk when it comes down to it. You know, when it comes down to it, he cares that people like him because he really would want to be a superhero. But like the way he was raised, he was his father is a damn Nazi, <laughs> you know? Literally a Nazi supervillain called the White oh, yeah. Dragon is his father. Constantly, oh yeah, constantly shitting on him. So he has a, he has a complete, like complete inferiority complex which is a really interesting place to to like to start with like with a character like this that's kind of right down the middle. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. that's it's more interesting than I thought it would be cuz like I wasn't really game for this at first but like it's 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 a really good balance with everything that happens especially with the the ragtag group of characters. For sure. And I think some of the you know one of the best parts about this show is the diversity of the cast in that ragtag team. I mean, Danielle Brooks is playing a straight-up action star now that we're in the later episodes, and we've got a lot more going on with the aliens and with the the infiltration and stuff like that. And she's out there running around, shooting, and and doing the action star thing. And we don't normally see women of color with her body type and her her natural, you know, affectations playing these roles. And it really does subvert the the traditional sort of masculinity that goes along with this kind of material. And it's great to see. Yeah, she's she's been sick and everything. She was like awesome as tasty on Orange is the New Black. So I've been following her ever since then. Oh, you're right. So, she is. I didn't even freaking see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's She's always been dope, you know. Um, so I'm just glad she's able to really like spread around because she just has this quality to her that's so genuine. It just makes her like a big heart. Like whenever she's in something, she's like the heart of the show. 
Oh, yeah. Well, she's our eyes into their world as well because she's brand new to this type of special ops. We find out in earlier episodes that she's sort of legacied into this kind of uh, work. Mm-hmm. But this is her first time actually out in the field with a gun doing the dirty work. And there are great scenes where she's getting accustomed to death and to killing people. All the other characters on this team shoot people willy-nilly without ever blinking about it. Well, not not a, not economists so much. No, 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 true. I mean, he's maybe the one exception, but a lot of the other characters who are in the field doing the dirty work, they're they're shooting people and they're cool with it. There's a great scene with her and Jennifer Holland where there's a guard at one of the facilities they infiltrate who's seen them and uh, Harcourt's like, shoot him. He's like, no, I have a wife and a family and I don't even really, it's just a job. I just don't even know these guys. Like, just let me leave. I won't tell anybody. And she's screaming, shoot the guy. We can't have anyone know that we were here. And she hesitates. And so Harcourt pulls out her gun and shoots him in the head. And 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 uh, Adebayo is absolutely floored by this because this is her first up close. She was standing a few feet away from the guy when his when he was literally murdered in front of her. And the idea that the ends justify the means and you have to be willing to not only accept collateral damage, but to create it. Yeah. And it's a real shocking twist for her because her mother, we've all learned, and again, we are spoiling everything in this one, so don't at me. Uh, her mom is Amanda Waller, maybe the biggest murderer or the most you know, cold-blooded murderer in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. So she's coming to grips with the reality of the life that she's chosen. And I think that uh, Danielle Brooks plays that against her uh, relationship with her wife or girlfriend. I'm not sure if they're married in the movie, uh, in the show rather, Um, plays that very well, that the PTSD that she's getting from all of this continued violence and intrigue makes it really difficult for her to have a normal relationship outside of this operation. Mm-hmm. She plays all of that beautifully. Yeah, yeah um, I, 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 I see that they, they're doing deeper stuff with Harcourt. You know, with all the decisions she makes, you can see why she's, like, depressed all the time, you know? Um, but, you know, but in, like, to contrast that with the movie, it was all fun and games with all those characters. They, they weren't really given a second thought until they realized, oh, we can use these, we can, you know, prolong these characters' life in a, in a TV show, you know? I hate I hated that the um, the one black chick that stood up to uh the to um the Waller went to jail. It's like, can she be on the show too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who might not recall, in Suicide Squad, when Amanda Waller goes off the rails, one of her subordinates strikes her in the back of the head and knocks her out to keep her from killing the the team. And then ultimately she's arrested and she's she's brought to jail for sedition because she did attack her superior commander. And so we forget sometimes about the militaristic hierarchy. And yet at the same time, we've seen Amanda Waller shoot her own subordinates in the head. Cause quote unquote, this is above their pay grade. It's like the, it, the hypocrisy perfectly mimics the hypocrisy we see in the current political, you know, militaristic climate. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she plays that perfectly. It is a shame that we couldn't have her in this series as well. But the people we do have are doing a great job. Um, Oh, yeah. Robert Patrick as his father, that's a big part of this show. 
is the dynamic between Peacemaker, you know, and and his father who made him into what he is. My dad makes me stuff. Yep. But, and that's a good John Cena <laughs> shit. Um, but there is a lot of allusions to the fact that uh, Christopher, um, Christopher Smith had a brother and that his dad preferred his brother and that something happened and his brother died. And we get a real quick flashback to a kid falling down with blood coming out of his nose and kind of seizing on the ground. And I wonder if Peacemaker and his brother were sparring as children and he inadvertently kills his brother or what happens. I know they're going to definitely let us know what the rest of that scene is because you wouldn't tease it like that. But he has a lot of trauma. Oh, that that that, that character is coming back for the last episode. <laughs> no, his brother's dead. His brother's dead. Ah, he's gonna come back. Oh, we're gonna put some bets on that. I don't know. I, you, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm saying he's dead. And I'm saying that Peacemaker accidentally killed him. And you see a huge part of Peacemaker or you know, Christopher Smith's life is his dad acquainting him with murder. There's a scene where his father has tied up somebody in their home and gives his son a knife. And he's like, okay, time to become a man. And you watch as this childhood Christopher Smith like murders this guy and he starts out crying. And then by the end, by the last stab, he's he's getting into it because as he gets excited to do it, his dad approves and he's seeking his father's approval. And his father is shaping a murderer out of a child. And it's like for for such a wacky show. Holy shit, that shit is dark. So all that is great. One thing that I wanted to point out that I thought was really interesting was that Peacemaker's real name in the show is Christopher Smith, Mm -hmm. which is just another way of saying Peacemaker. If you take Christopher, Christopher is derived from the word Christ, Christ is peace, and then Smith, someone who makes something. So the name Christopher Smith actually is Peacemaker. That's, That's cool. I haven't seen one other fucking news outlet or geek roundup or any of that shit point that shit out. But like, I'm pretty proud of myself for having noticed that Rachel thought that was fun. Well, you get the ultimate kudos for that. I get bonus points. (laughs) The no prize. I get the no prize. I get the apps. I get the no prize. I don't know if the original writers intended that. Um, Just for a little bit of backstory, Peacemaker was originally a Charleston comics character. And he was a part of a book called the, the Fury Five, and then DC purchased the entire Charleston Comics catalog and then moved those characters into the DC universe in, I believe it was the late 60s, early 70s. But originally, he starts out as just an ancillary character in a generic kind of war book. But at the same time, even his first solo issue says, the man who loves peace enough to fight for it. So I think there were shades of this character all the way back then, but man... What a seemingly simple and stupid character turned into something so beautifully complex and weird. <laughs> yeah, we talked a great deal about the last episode, uh, but this new episode has been really sick. So we got like we finally got a, a really cool mission uh, for the team, and uh, they had that they had uh, after they've discovered uh, this kind of they this, they discovered more about this plot with these aliens that you know you know all seemingly are all across the globe <laughs> and um they they've got some intel about like um you know where a, a lot of them may be at so they go they go over there 
before they go there, there's there's a little tension between economists and uh, and uh, and peacemaker. <laughs> Those guys are so great together. Oh heck yeah! A peacemaker finds out like what happened to his dad and why is he in, why is he in prison, and for some reason he wanted to get all up on econ- uh, economists' ass when he was ordered to do the whole thing in the first place. <laughs> it's so weird. Well, his argument was like, yes, you were ordered to delete my fingerprints and to get me out of trouble, but to frame his dad, like, that could blow the whole thing up, even more so than just John Cena being mad at him. It jeopardizes the whole mission, and it was just because Economos was in the moment, and he's like, holy cow, the police are going to get their hands on his prints. I have to change them right now. I got to pick somebody. And the post credit scene at the end of episode five, where you can tell that it was just John Cena given the direction of say any name you can think of. So they have this whole scene where John Cena is explaining to him the number of names that he could have picked when it, rather than his father. And he's going through the whole thing. And <laughs> Mario Luigi. <laughs> I mean, so perfect. So funny. And that's, you can see the seams on this thing a little bit where they let just John Cena and the cast run. Oh, yeah. And I think that's super smart of James Gunn because you have legitimately funny people. Let them just do the funny line. Oh, yeah. That's what we want. And then just cut it up and and use what you want later. But like in the first episode, the very first scene feels really improv between the two actors. And there are a lot of scenes in this show that feel improv And for some people, that might be a problem, might pull you out of it a little bit. I'm just here to have fun, and I think it works. I think mm-hmm. it works great. I think it's great. I think it's great. I mean, some some of them are a little a bit like, uh, that's that's really dumb to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, but nobody bats at that. Yeah, you know, like oh, I I I didn't think lesbian. I didn't think lesbians had fingers. What <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about? Yeah, that, that joke <laughs> got away from him a little bit. I uh, forgot yeah. for a moment that lesbians have have fingers on their hands. What? <laughs> and you can see, you can see her legit, like sup- the actress going, "What?" So it doesn't always. It's not always a home run. Yeah, but there is so yeah, many yeah. moments like this. And so now the team has discovered that there's a food source for the aliens. They go to the factory that makes the food that the aliens require, and yeah. they kill fucking everybody. The funniest mm-hmm. fucking scene is where he pulls the bomb bomb and he pulls out a grenade (laughs) taped to a Russian tank shell. And he goes, look at this bomb I invented. She's like, what do you mean invented? (laughs) Well, I taped a grenade to a Russian bombshell. It's like, you didn't invent that. You just made a bomb. And then he throws it. And she's like, why didn't you warn me? And he goes, I would have thought me throwing the giant bomb was warning enough. Like it's so deadpan and they nailed the deadpan tone on this so well. I love that shot of them uh, jumping for cover. That's such a beautiful it's shot. It's such a perfect like superhero shot and it pokes fun oh, at yeah. itself while still being itself. And I think, yeah, I think the ending of the episode is great where we see his dad getting out of jail, going home mm-hmm. and busting out the white dragon suit. And the final line of the episode is time to kill my kid. It's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Robert Patrick's yeah. not having any of it. He's so, so freaking good. And I wonder what happened to him, you know? Like, Terminator 2 should have made him a huge star. And he became a TV guy, and he does a lot of procedurals, and he plays a lot of cops. But, man, this I dude mean, is acting his ass he's had a career off. this whole time, though, bro. I know. I just he's had a steady career for the past 30 years. 
but he works a lot, but I just thought he would have been a bigger star with his acting chops. But this is great. This is a great use. Uh, that doesn't about. usually happen with vi- people that play villains. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, that doesn't usually happen. Like, they usually are character actors or they play more villains or, you know, that's, that's usually what he does. <laughs> or he kind of plays like the, not hillbilly, but like kind of, kind of like a racist uh, edge kind of guy a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's a, he's a right-wing conspiracy theorist. And what's actually yeah. pretty hysterical is when we first meet him and Christopher walks into his dad's home and they're walking through the living room, there's like a OAN slash Fox News clone that's on the TV. And the freaking Kron mm-hmm. on the bottom reads, aliens invading top levels of government. And it's supposed to be one of these things where it's like, this is incredibly stupid. And yet that's exactly like they have got it dead on. And so that's the reason why this is a black ops thing. You know, people uh, at one point out of bio goes, why don't we just call everybody? Let's, let's get Batman. It's like, like, let's call And they're like, no, we have no idea who is an alien and who isn't. But what we know is that a lot of politicians are aliens and a lot of celebrities are aliens. So we have to keep this quiet while we figure it out. And then the big reveal <laughs> is that the guy running the whole operation, Mr. Munn, is an alien. And so what's But he his... seems that he seems to want them dead, though. But that's it. What's the gambit? He sends his team to go murder everybody making the food supply that he relies on. So, yeah. so I think that there's an end game. And there's also a lot of hints that these aliens might actually be the good guys. You know, in the one scene where the alien first flies out of the guy's head and then they cut away and later on John Cena's like, I shot that thing. I looked at Rachel and I was like, that fucking thing is in a jar in his apartment. I promise you, by the end of this episode, Mm -hmm. we see a jar with that little bastard inside of it. And then sure enough, he gets stoned with the alien at the end of the episode. Like, (laughs) so relentlessly weird. And you know me, if Mm -hmm. anybody's listened to this show before, you know, I love it when motherfuckers swing for the fences and these guys swing and swing hard. And so there's only three episodes left. Uh, The next one comes out on, on February 3rd and I'm, I'm here for it. 110%. I'm not a DC guy, but shit, this might just change my outlook on the matter. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. So if you haven't seen it, why did you listen to so many spoilers? I don't know what to tell you. Why would you even do that? Why? But you did. Now you know what's going on. Go back and watch it and laugh your ass off because this show is so funny and so great. And I am looking forward to season two. Uh, James Gunn's already talked about season two. So how could they not? It's the highest rate DDC property that's ever existed in, in televised media. So come on. The way Boba Fett's going, I want to see that season two. Well, then, then maybe we'll get a season one. <laughs> I don't mean to rag on it. Like, I, here's the thing. I'm so conflicted on Book of Boba Fett, man, because I love it and I understand why it sucks. Does that make sense? <laughs> I don't see how it sucks at all, man. I'm having such a good time with for the Filoni uh, Favreau universe. that They do Star, Star Wars, right? You know, like they 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 get to feature they they're featuring all of these characters that were on the fringes, and you get to know so much more about them. You know, it's I I just been having a good time. I don't really see what anybody's problem is. You know, honestly. Well, uh, let me break it down. What the main problem is with the show? The main problem with the show is that. 
Boba Fett is the single most boring part of the whole thing. And I'll clarify what I mean by that in that she has no character development or growth. Number one, he is drastically different in this than any other portrayal of the character we've ever seen in Star Wars universe. So when he falls into the Sarlacc pit, he is the most ruthless bounty hunter in the galaxy. When he comes out of the Sarlacc pit, he, he actually tries to free some of his fellow prisoners who have been caught, you know, by the sand people. And so that's pretty out of character. What I'm thinking is if we watch him, you know, learn community and learn compassion from the sand people, then that's one thing. But the, the scene seems to set up that he already has those traits. So then who is this Boba Fett relative to who we know from the Star Wars universe? And what is happening right now that we care about? Because episode four is all flashbacks. Episode five is a completely different show. Episode five is Mandalorian season three, episode zero. I mean, that's really what it is. We don't even get a character I mean, from Book of Boba Fett until the last five minutes. So I love the Mandalorian. I love the Star Wars universe. I love the callbacks. I love all the tidbits. I love all the fucking nerdy shit. But if I'm just trying to watch this show and find out what's happening on this show, separate from all that other stuff, I, I, I just don't think it's telling you. Oh, well, I just feel different. Like, I mean, I've been getting everything I wanted from this show. I, I feel like Boba Fett, um, he's gone through this, this whole journey, like going from the Sarlacc pit to uh, his whole experience with the Sand People. It's been like, it's like a, you know, it's a visual rebirth. You know, so um, I I think a lot of that stuff is that's just it's just been there in the story, you know. And now he's he's on his way to becoming something new versus just a regular bounty hunter. He's taking over Jabba's situation as Daimyo, and you know, he's just trying to figure his way around that. You know, so like I mean, I, I'm I'm getting all of that stuff from the Boba stuff from the Boba Fett story. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. No, I know what you mean, but we're on episode five and everything you just talked about happened in episode one and two. That's, that's kind of my point. Like that stuff is great. And we, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on the character development going from the visual of the physical rebirth of coming out of the Sarlacc stomach and all that, that, that scans I'm with it. But like, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's not going anywhere. I feel like it's not going anywhere. I feel like it's just a series of side quests. And then that's what episode four is. Episode four is the Fennec Shand story. And we find out how did they come to get hooked up and what's their deal and why does she have robot parts? And they answer all those questions, but none of that stuff is pressing now. But it was, you know, that was fun to watch. Look, 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 look the, the thing, the running thing that's happening in this Boba Fett story and and to a larger degree in the Mandalorian as well, is all of the background lore of Star Wars, you know, and and then adding on top of that, all of the new lore that um, Filoni has made, and getting to just spend time with these things, you know, You're like actually really having to spend time with the Sand People, like you ne you didn't know that they had these customs where. 
like they like they have all of this stuff with their branches and things like you're 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 I feel, I feel like even really dismissive of the stories they're, no, they're telling. No, no, I'm just look. I get the world building. I'm enjoying the world building, and but, but I just but, I wonder but, if it's too deep. You know, like if you're not dude, super what? into this shit, then how much does this mean to you? You know, Man. I I love the Easter <laughs> eggs. I love the callbacks, bros. It's Star Wars. Like if you're not like a main fan, you're at least a tertiary fan. It's Star Wars. You know, the, the the people that are coming to see this, they're going to know something. And if they don't know what it is, they're going to be intrigued. So, I, I mean, that's kind of a moot point. We've talked about this in past episodes. And I just sometimes, I wonder about a show that makes you do too much homework. And not that it's work, because we all enjoyed The Mandalorian. And we've all enjoyed, you know, Return of the Jedi. But when you have to watch a series of things for the stuff that you're watching to make sense then that's that's just tough on the storytelling of the thing you're watching. I'm not sure if I'm enjoying what I'm watching because shit, yeah, I want another season of The Mandalorian or heck yeah, I want to know how Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc uh, stomach. But I just want to spend more time in the now. I don't necessarily want to spend more time with the mods. I mean, I think we all agree those guys are weird. They're not really working for the story. <laughs> but I want to spend more time in the now. Like, like episode four, right? How much time do we spend right now? It's like the very end of the episode. Otherwise, we get the flashback uh, to one of your favorite cameos in this whole shit. You were dumb excited Hell for this guy. yeah, baby. <laughs> Thundercat. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks for reminding me of that. Oh, my God. I, I, I just, I was not expecting that, you know? And, and these series have been so, like, filled <laughs> with, filled to the brim with, like, all these great cameos. And... You know, like you have Boba taking Fennec's like body over to this place, and you hear all this. I was like, that sounds like Thundercat. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like this Thundercat's like this master bassist. You know, he and he just makes like the the most funkiest music. Shoot, I can't believe I've never heard of him then, because I, I played bass for years. Dude, he's so sick. I'm checking you know, it out. I'm um, checking it out. Thundercat. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, you know, they they do one of those really awesome reveals of like like a famous cameo or a famous actor when you mm-hmm. see them from behind and they and they turn around as a reveal. But you see Thundercat's locks, you know, and his hair, and I'm like, that's gonna be Thundercat. <laughs> <laughs> and he does a fine job with his acting, you know, and it just makes so much sense that that they gave him a cameo because he's like the hugest geek. Bro, he has a song called Dragon Ball Do-Rag. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know Dragon Ball Do-Rag was the name of my prog rock band in college. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, shoot. I, it's funny. I played bass for years, and I, I used to do it professionally when I was in my early 20s, and I, I'm not familiar with them, so I'm going to definitely check that out. But this this show is great cameos. Uh, Amy Sedaris is back. Um, oh, man, you know, she's so Working on sick. Mando's ship in episode five. And, she's and so dating Jawas. Fun. Dating Jawas, <laughs> man. You know, she's having interspecies relations with uh, Jawas. We come to find out they're, they're blue and furry underneath those, uh, <laughs> those robes. I don't know if we <laughs> needed to know about how Jawas got busy, but she's so good. And when you realize that in most of those scenes, she's acting against like nothing because she's just talking to droids most of the time. 
and she's still legit funny. Yeah, she's improv so much stuff. Like, I'm working on myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not interested. I'm working on myself right now. What's what's her name? The name of her character? Because it sounds like a really nice pun. Uh, it's Pelimato, but I'm not sure Pelimato. If that's yeah, a like thing, mod, like modding stuff. Maybe I don't know, but she's yeah. Pelimato, and she she has called out to Mando and said, "Hey, I'm I got a new ship for you," and he thinks that. He's got, she's got a replica of his old ship. Mm-hmm. And what, what does she actually have there? She got that Naboo Starfighter. Oh, uh, and again, more callbacks, deep, deep callbacks. But if you don't see episode one, you don't get super excited when you see this ship. You're like, oh, right. She's telling him it's a badass ship. She's telling him badass ship. Now for you or I, we go, oh my God, it's the Naboo Starfighter from episode one that little Anakin Skywalker gets in. It's got a little droid port. The back. So I think but dude. like- I Come don't, on, man. See, I'm trying not to be an asshole because I'm like, I think they're making this show for me, not necessarily for everyone. But, bro, it's going to be for everybody. Like, w- w- for you, it's a callback to something from 20 years ago. To a new person, wow, that's an awesome-looking ship. You see how that works? It, it is a good ship design. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, like they do this sometimes. Like there was this one show where um, they purposely didn't um, do subtitles for the the sign language or the the, um, the Italian that was spoken, and the people that spoke uh, Italian and the sign language that was something for them. <laughs> That's fair. You know, I mean, it's it's an ongoing story. There's going to be something for everybody, especially it being Star Wars. No, I, you know, I know, so, I know. I'm just being a hard ass about it. Cause, cause it just like, I, I want, I want this stuff to be accessible to everybody. And I'm trying, I'm trying maybe overly so to view it objectively. Cause I do legitimately enjoy it. I mean, we got, he's cruising around in a modified Naboo starfighter, gets pulled over by the freaking Rebel Alliance space cops, which was freaking awesome where they work this like procedural business of him and they run him like, you don't, you don't have a tracking beacon because they make it a point. As we all know, the ship was made before the empire came about. So there weren't mandatory tracking beacons in it. There's all kinds of fun. Like there's really obvious Easter eggs. And then there's the deep dive shit. And it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to see, but I just wonder if it's impenetrable, but I love it. Out of those two cops, one of them, like, you know, appeared before. But the the new cop that appeared, because I, didn't he lose his other partner? I think he lost his other partner. Yeah, 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 in The Mandalorian. Um, yeah, I think he lost his he other partner. Because he mentions that he recognizes uh, Mando's voice and yeah. lets him off, basically, even though he doesn't have a tracking beacon and his numbers are clearly faked. It's like it's like getting pulled over with a bad registration and, like, the plates off your 86 Buick. <laughs> and they decide to let him off, which is cool. And he, he heads out and... Um, well, the new partner, I was going to say, um, was the actual um, uh, double for Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah, Max Lloyd-Jones. Yeah. Yep, that's Mark so Hamill's cool. double. Cool that's that great. He- yeah, it's cool that he got a, like a little bit of a gig there. Yeah, as like the newbie, you know. And then um, mm-hmm. it's uh, Paul Sun Hyung Lee who plays Captain Carson Tiba, who is the guy that lets him lets him go. And then he takes mm-hmm. off and he goes to light speed from a standstill, which to them like blows their minds. 
And it's funny though because well, like he didn't go. Thing. He didn't go light speed. Well, he went he just went really fast. Right, right. Just <laughs> sub light speed. This is a, yeah. this is some pedantic shit, Arthur. You do know that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pedantic shit, you know we get this whole business with like best car steel can be made into defensive weaponry, but not offensive weaponry. So you can make a gauntlet or a chest plate, but making a spear, a Beskar spear that can penetrate Beskar armor is considered like in bad taste. So they, they melt that shit down, which is the whole time. Like this is a Jedi artifact. You can't just melt it down. But then when we find out what they're doing with the damn thing, it's like, yeah, you can do anything you want. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, I mean, we once again, we come back to the chieftain and, and, uh, Vizla. And uh, she's she's always such a great presence in this thing. Her like her overly lofty voice. Oh yeah, Emily <laughs> Swallow has so much gravitas. You know, when she just commands it through that mask, she just her body language is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it's, it's great. But uh, you know, during that whole thing, we're we're presented like the the new path for for the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. You know, because uh, you know he's he completed his mission, and he he head he head back over there, you know, just to take his to take his place. Yeah, he's heading home to the new home. Yeah, you know, through this conversation and all this sort of stuff, it just kind of starts him on his new path, especially with Vizsla eyeing eyeing that dark saber. You know, mm-hmm. thinking about the dark saber, man, we didn't even talk about like that first fight. That first oh, fight, man, yeah. that, that butcher and with the, meat the, the dog plant. butchers. <laughs> yeah, it's great world building. I mean, Tatooine, where the where the heck is the food coming from? And then we get this great seat in the, in the dog meat packing plant. And, and by, that, by that, I mean, for people who haven't seen it yet, and if so, why are you listening? But if you haven't, it's a meat packing plant run by dogs. They're not packing dog meat. That's an important <laughs> differentiation. People, we just lost like half our audience. Right? Dog meat pack plate. Nobody watches fucking show. No, the dog men or man dogs are are operating a meat packing plant. So come on back. Come on. Yeah. We're okay over here. And that shit oh, yeah. was great. He goes in there and he pulls out the dark saber and starts hacking up. Okay, he cuts himself. Well, and and that's why, you know, look, in the Star Wars universe. It's fucking Jedi that wield these weapons because one false move and you'll kill yourself with it. And so blasters are a little bit easier to manage without harming yourself. But we come to find out later on when he's, you know, dueling with the armor and learning more about his weapon that not only does it channel, you know, physical energy through its kyber crystal, it also will channel his emotional energy. And so he's preoccupied with something. And by virtue of his not being centered, it's, it's like your chi. If your chi isn't aligned, then your kung fu is bullshit. And so mm. his chi is out of whack because he misses our little friend, Baby Grogu. Yeah. And so they melt down that damn spear and they make chain mail for mm-hmm. little baby Yoda. And we don't, we haven't seen it yet. They they won't give us that. But you know, Rachel's mm-hmm. gonna be crazy excited if he goes to the new Jedi Temple or whatever, and like Luke Skywalker's there, and he's like, "They stole him." I'm gonna be so fucking mad, like. I, if you if you make me wait until Mandalorian season three to see Baby Grogu again while teasing him like now, oh, I'm gonna be tight. But it it, it would be the thing to do. But I'm gonna be tight. Like I know they need to get Mando on another mission, and I, and as soon as we're done recording, I'm gonna watch. It just came out today, the most recent episode. So no spoilers, oh, but 
But I am so excited to see where that's going. He's got his little best car chain mail, and he's on his way to go find our friend, Baby Yoda. So Ra- Rachel's stupid excited. She really enjoyed oh, this yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to talk about the uh, other little details here. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so first of all, we, we, we get this Halo-esque world that we haven't really seen in Star Wars before that, that's like akin to Elysium and what they had at the end of uh, Inception. Not Inception. Yeah. What's the Nolan film? Not, this, not Inception. Uh, uh, Interstellar. Interstellar. That's what they had at the end of Interstellar. Right, like the big circular spinning space stations. Big donut looking thing. So that was cool. Then then we see the that they have their uh commercial flights. <laughs> I know Skybus. They he has to go on the space bus and it's like that episode of Rick and Morty where they're like, You're extremely dangerous. Not that we're not gonna let you fly, but you're gonna have to give us all of your guns. And they do the joke of him like there's a gun everywhere. And it's so funny where he tries to claim a religious exemption because guns are part of the Mandalorian religion. They're like, no, sir, no exemption. You put the guns in the bed. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's some pedantic shit, but it's fucking funny. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I just got to give it, got to go right, right, right back to Filoni and, and Favreau. You know, like, just taking all of these things and and really, you know, since we now have this opportunity to just have Star Wars every year, you know, um, in a big, big way, you know, you really just get to look at all of these other sections, you know, of the of you know the galaxy basically, and um, yeah, I'm just having such a great time. It's like nothing's nothing's taking my joy away from this. I get to spend time in Star Wars world. You know, and with with all these characters and I'm just having such a great time, bro. (laughs) I get it. I get it. And I, you know, I'm beating the dead horse here with this for sure. But I just I think there's they are world building at the expense of storytelling. I want to know what's happening in the thing that is presumably the thing that I care about and flashback after flashback after or flash forward or whatever. Like, the things that are not the story are distracting from the story by this point. Hey, when we, two episodes ago, we're talking about this show and I'm gushing about it because by episode three, I'm all in it. Now we're on to episode, we got two more episodes left and I'm like, how do we resolve all of this storyline? And now, not to be a dick about it, like, I'd rather just go off with Mando on the fucking Baby Yoda adventure and whatever the fuck happens with Boba Fett is fine by me. So, like, the side story is more entertaining and more meaningful to me than the main story. I'm loving all of it, but the optics on the storytelling are fucky. It's just, it just is. And I've never been this critical about something I like this much. Cause it's annoying where I'm like, Oh, I'm really enjoying this. And then it takes a left turn. You're like, well, it's kind of unrelated, but this is cool. I like this too. And then you get to episode five, you're like, Ooh, Mandalorian. Oh, we're making baby Grogu armor. Like I love this. But then I'm like, wait a minute, wasn't I watching the Boba Fett show? Like, that's my only beef. If that's the worst thing in the world, then just keep throwing me episodes of shit I like it. I, I'll I just, get over I just, what it's I just don't but. get it. Like, this, like, this, like since since they're not doing one show, because it'd be, it'd be dumb to do one show, they're spreading out all the shows with this main cast. Like, the cast, 
is the cast of this thing. We just get to follow like their stories, but it's gonna intertwine. Like I mean, that's that's what this whole connected universe is for in the first place. Well, then that's awesome. I don't know what to say. We're we're beating it into the ground. My feeling was, you know, I think, look, you know, I'll leave it to the immortal Stanley. Stanley said it best when he said, every issue is somebody's first issue. And no, I, you gotta do the voice. <laughs> every issue is somebody's first issue, true belief. Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> that's our state motto. I love. Fucking, that's why I love New York. Excelsior, bitches. <laughs> For those who don't know, I'm in New York and Arthur's in California. Mm-hmm. New York, the home of Stanley, the home of Marvel Comics. But he was right. And I just, my feeling is as much as I'm enjoying this, if you ask me if this show can be somebody's first issue, that's simply impossible. And so while I am enjoying it, that is a conceit you have to acknowledge. That this issue can't be somebody's first issue. Now, if anybody's got issues with you, Arthur, where are they going to find you? You can find me at www.artharomeo.live. And you can see my YouTube channel, Draw Really Awesome Wow. And you can also see the Instagram, um, follow me there. And it's the same thing, at Draw Really Awesome Wow, all with underscores. Hey, where can they find you, you big, beautiful gentleman? Oh, shucks. You can find me on my Instagram at thomas.olton, spelled O-L-T-O-N, or you can reach out to me at our Instagram at tales underscore two underscore admonish. There's more content coming. I'm catching up. Don't you worry. There's going to be great fun images. So go and, you know, we could use a few more clicks. So go click on that link. Oh, please do. Yeah, please do. And also, if you get a chance, go onto your podcasting app of choice and rate and review us. It really helps with our visibility. We could use a few of those as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah, please go ahead and do that because that's really helpful for us. And if you'd like to help us out even more, then join us here next week on... That's it. That's your last Green Goblin for a while. You've been leaning on it. Bro, I know it's a good SNL. Come on. I know you're maxing out your mic. I don't even have to see your mic to know you're maxing out your mic. When Man, you I got this interface. I got this sweet interface, bruh. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to get out of your face. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>